0: Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cardavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. Today's special guest is a good friend of mine, Cindy Anderson, the CEO, president, and founder of Think with a C Strategy, a business consulting company that helps companies grow and transition. This is episode 19, and the title today is Grow. Strategies for growing your whole business. Cindy today is going to talk about culture, not only the importance of culture, ways to build culture, and the impact that great cultures have on the financial performance and impact of our business. She's going to talk a lot about trust and the role of vulnerability, especially in leadership, in building that trust. So sit back, get ready to learn some new lessons, some new perspectives on ways you can turn your culture into a culture of performance and impact. I am so excited this morning. Uh, We have as our special guest today, Cindy Anderson, president and CEO of Think Strategy. And it's T H I N C. Right. That's already got you thinking. I know that, pun intended. And Cindy's a new friend of mine, just met her a couple of months ago at a conference. And I think we immediately had a mutual admiration society going on because she had attended one of my breakout sessions, but we hadn't met. And then I saw her facilitate a panel and still hadn't met, and we sort of collided afterwards, and we were both excited to meet each other, have gotten to know each other better, and I'm just excited to have Cindy with us today. I think she brings a very unique and really relevant perspective, especially on the topic of growth and value in businesses. As I said, she's president and CEO of Think Strategy. Uh, she has owned six successful privately-owned companies. She's worked not only in private and public sector, She's worked with very sophisticated startups. She's also worked with billion-dollar enterprises, so she brings a whole range of experience. And we're here to talk today about value growth and high-performing companies. So, welcome, welcome, Cindy. Ah, oh,
2: thank welcome. you, Jeff. Thank you so much. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, glad to have you. I'm, with, the, <laughs> with that you. kind of pedigree, I'm really excited to hear about what you have to say. <laughs> and Sounds we great. We tell right? all our guests. We <laughs> tell all our guests. No pressure. no no pressure just be brilliant okay (laughs) So, Cindy I mean I gave sort of that little overview but give us a little bit of the Cindy Anderson story
2: it's been a an interesting ride to say the very Mm -hmm. least when I was getting ready to go to college I had no idea what I wanted to do I was going to be the first person in my immediate family to go to college and it was I, I, the main thing I wanted was a job when I graduated, right? <laughs> so I looked at all the various things that I could do, and I thought, man, I really I really want to go into psychology, but I'm not sure how much I can really earn going into psychology, so I think I'm going to major in finance. That's how sophisticated my planning was when I was 18 years old. And so I ended up getting a, a degree in finance and economics with a minor in social science and psychology. And never ever left my love and passion for trying to understand how people tick. Mm. But I really, I had an aptitude for numbers and analytics of numbers as well. And so I went on to graduate during a very bad recession. You could not get a job in finance because I wanted to be an investment banker. And that did not pan out because I graduated at a time when you just weren't. If you were going to get a job, it was going to be commission only, and you probably weren't going to survive at you know twenty some years old doing that. So I ended up uh, going to work for a corporation in their accounting department, and I had a wonderful mentor who said, "Why aren't you a CPA? Like I don't get it. You're really good at this. You should, you should uh, go back at your fifth year and sit for the exam." And I was like, "What the heck? If you're going to pay for it, I'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> Again, my planning was magnificent. And so I
3: ended up uh
2: going and getting my CPA license and uh moved up the ranks in corporate finance became CFO of a company and they asked me to be an owner and it kind of went from there I ended up we ended up selling the uh corporation that I was first CFO for and uh I opened up a CPA firm because why not it made <laughs> sense to you know do this and so I, uh, I did that, had a great run with a CPA firm. But the one thing I realized about myself is that I wasn't really living my truth, right? The thing that I really was passionate about was how people tick, how organizations tick, how groups of people can create these things. And what accounting and finance offered me was this amazing insight into kind of the, the bones of the organization and how the business side of a business works. But what really was interesting to me was how do you take all of that and put the people component with it? Put all the process components with it and create an organization that was really effective. That just never left me. And so even though I had a CPA firm, I had a staff, I was really excited about the clients that I worked with, I wasn't in love with what I did every day. Because a lot of it was accounting oriented. And I really, although I think accounting is a wonderful profession, it wasn't really what suited me for the big picture.
3: Hmm.
2: So in 2008, I sold my CPA firm to RSM McGladry. At the time, they were still McGladry and Pullen and RSM, two different companies. And I went to work for them in their consulting group. And they exposed me to a whole nother realm. I started working internationally. And uh, found that, wow, people are people wherever you go, county kind of, kind of, <laughs> wherever you go. Like all these same things wherever you go are still the same issues for businesses and companies. And I had the amazing opportunity throughout this time that I had been an owner of a couple of companies. I had been on both sides of the buy sell transaction. I had really, uh, and all of my client work was helping my clients grow and and be effective and offering them solutions. And I've never been a bottom line kind of CPA. I've never thought that the dollars and cents are the only thing you have to consider Mm. in an organization because so many times, you know, people will save a dollar in taxes, but they just reduce their value by more than what they saved in taxes. It doesn't make sense. So I like to look at the whole thing Um, So, anyway, I went to work for McGlattery, had a great ride there, but one of the things I realized in that period of time that I was working with them is that I really had to uh, chart my own path and really do this consulting thing, really do what I love to do, and hopefully people will be interested in it. Mm -hmm. And so, in 2012, I left uh, McGlattery, still great friends with that firm, they're wonderful human beings, I love them all. And, um, and I started Think Strategy in late 2013. And uh, Think has been amazing, because we work with companies of all sizes and mostly professional services corporations. We work mm-hmm. with a lot of engineers, scientists, innovators, technology professionals, architects, contractors, real estate developers, um, that sort of thing. But, it's been a really fun ride of helping them. What I love to do is help them grow. And I, so I get to be entrepreneurial with every client that we serve and that's very exciting. So that's a little bit about my past.
1: That sounds awesome. So when you talk about growth, are you talking about just numerical growth as in number of people and revenues or are you also talking about some, some other aspects?
2: Oh, uh, other aspects really. Um, a lot of times folks think that growth is just about number of employees. I want to go from 50 to 500. That's my goal. Right. You know, it's very interesting to me. Very rarely we, we run into companies who have this I've got to be a thousand people goal. It's growth in value.
3: Yeah.
2: And that could be top line growth, bottom line growth, but it's also cultural growth. You have mm-hmm. to look at the business from a holistic perspective. You have to go out and get work, do work, deliver work. So there are a lot of people that you have to satisfy along the way, clients, vendors, employees, families, all of that sort of thing. But when we focus on growth, it's really based on where the client wants to be. What's their end goal? We work with mostly privately held businesses. And many times, you know, we'll sit down and we'll talk about the numbers, but the numbers are the easy part. (laughs) The hard part is the, how do we create a culture that people want to work how do we create an environment where we're ready to be sold? How do we create an environment where we can acquire companies and integrate them into our business? How do we grow our footprint? And so it's not just number of people um, that could be it, but it's really the quality of who you want to be as an organization that we're talking about with growth.
0: Well, Cindy, the companies you talk to, as soon as you start talking culture, my antenna go up. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in culture. Yeah. And what I also know is that You know, culture, it's funny. We say we want to build a culture, but the real question is what the culture we want to have, because I believe every organization has a culture. It's by default, though, and it may not actually be the one they want, but it's what they have. So, the companies you work with, do you find they typically have a a decent culture towards what they want and you help them tweak it? Or do you have companies that really haven't focused on culture and this is a complete restart for them culturally?
2: You know, Jeff, it's interesting. We have both, you know, sometimes we'll go into an organization and what they're thinking about is how do we get our valuation up, right? Our valuation hasn't really shifted. How do we get that up? How do we make sure that we bring in young people to that with less experience to eventually become partners or, you know, there's a lot of reasons that people will call us. But in every single case, culture becomes part of the conversation because like you, whether you create the culture intentionally or not you have one yes. and it's a lot easier to increase the value of your business if you have a culture that aligns with your goals so if you have a culture that is a you know i always say that i love people that come to work for think that are uh, called by a profession and not a job they mm-hmm. want to really be creative and have a professional career, and this is a, pl- a great place. So, that's the culture we try to create. But what we, what we want to understand about our clients is if you haven't thought about it, can we sit down and at least explore the idea of what would be the best culture to get you to whatever your original objectives were? Sorry guys. <laughs> and so, for us, whether that's originally part of the conversation or it's not part of the conversation, We still—it's part of the component of growth. Uh, Building a culture that will get you there. Many times when we go into an organization, they have great people, but they're not in the right seats on the bus, right? Mm -hmm. From the old from good to great, so they don't know how to develop those people. And sometimes the entrepreneur is even in the way, right? Because we entrepreneurs, we love 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 change. I'm one of them. I'm (laughs) PTS charged. I love change, just to change. I love it. But the problem is that I'm self-aware enough to know that probably means that when I'm building a culture, I've gotta have other people around me that are a little more grounded in the 0,000 feet. (laughs) Because if I'm gonna be at 10,000 feet and I'm gonna be thinking about the vision and the future and change and all of the things we need to be thinking about, someone else in the organization, other people have to be thinking about, okay, how do we achieve what we're here to do today and make sure that culture is aligned with where we want to be
1: in the future. Oh, that is so important to have that balance and that, mm-hmm. that complementary skill set. That's
0: right. Cindy, do you find that the companies you work with, do you find the owners pretty open to the idea of addressing culture as part of the value and growth strategy?
2: You know, they are. Um, a lot of times when you first bring it up, there's like, well, we don't need that. You know, or, you know, sometimes when we're proposing on a job, we'll say, no, don't, don't worry about this stuff over here. We're good. I'm like, well, this, this, it, this matters. We're going to talk about it anyway. Right. <laughs> and the minute I start talking about it in the way that this is where my finance background really comes in handy sometimes because you have to speak the language of the person that you're talking to. Right. And so if let's say that person is really focused on getting their, top line and their bottom line numbers up. Well, the minute you explain how culture can help you do that, how a specific type of culture can help you do that, or how certain types of people can help you do that, all of a sudden they're all in. So I think it's really just a matter of informing folks who maybe have looked at it from that perspective.
0: Hmm. I'm curious, Cindy, and I sort of asked this question to you in a different way the other day on the webinar you did, that when I go out and speak on culture, which I do a lot, often the audience is not the owners. Right. And the number one question I get during the programs and after is always the same. What do we do if the obstacle to a great culture is the owner?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great question. And it's kind of sad to me because it tells me that a lot of people would like things to be different. So I'm curious, how often do you run into that where maybe it's a, it's a blind spot, the leader says we're great culture, or I'm, I'm the great leader here, and I'm building that already. Right. turns out, yeah, maybe not.
2: <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> well, it starts with us in the leadership role, right? And so we, many times when we're brought into an organization, the entrepreneur or the leader will share, sit down with us and tell us everything there is to know about their company from their perspective. We require <laughs> And, and I love to hear it. I want to know. Tell me everything. But we require that we interview key stakeholders, and we ask that some of the key stakeholders not be necessarily managers or leaders. Mm. It, you know, it could be. A, you know, there's all kinds of informal leaders throughout the organization, right? Sometimes it's the person who answers the phone who acts as a leader. Many times in organizations, it's just informal. And so we like to interview stakeholders because the first thing we like to understand is where are we aligned with the, with what you shared with me do your employees do the other folks in the organization feel the same way that you feel about where the culture is where the company is all of that sort of thing really helps give me a well-rounded perspective if i can talk to 10 or 12 people in a regular you know a normal you know 75 person firm i'm going to get some really interesting answers, we never ask biased questions. So when we're interviewing stakeholders, we ask open-ended questions. Because what we find is, if I ask you the simple question, um, tell me about your company, who are you? The first question that people will ask me is, what do you mean by that? And the second thing, the second thing I say is, well, what do you want me to know? What that That's does, it, it opens up like a flood of information that I could never have asked the right question to get that answer by them just talking about it the way they wanna talk about it in this context, I get all kinds of good data. And so many times, Jeff, I'll go back to the uh, CEO and say, gosh, I have learned so much and I'm really excited about everything that I've learned, but let me talk to you a little bit. Do you realize this, this, and this? And you know. Sometimes they'll start immediately drawing conclusions and they head. well, who said that? Because we never give away who says what. We say it in a collective way. And, but when we start working with them, my job is to help that person be successful. So it isn't to please them, it isn't to tell them what they wanna hear, it isn't to hold back the brutal, honest truth about what I'm understanding about the organization. They're paying me to tell them what I understand from what, I, what I've been told and through all the different um, pieces of information we receive. And we receive a lot. We receive their financial statements, their marketing materials, their organizational structure. We talk to key stakeholders. Sometimes we talk to clients. So we really do have kind of an outsider looking in kind of purview. But um, we're not ever gonna hold back like, hey, in order for you to achieve your goals, you've got to have a shift in culture. And part of the challenge is you are great at making rain. You are a rock star rainmaker, for example. But you know what? You're probably not as great at is inspiring other people. Like when you come in, and um, I think on the call the other day, I talked about a story about someone throwing a book one time and almost hitting me in the head. And I look back on it now and it's really funny, but can you imagine being employed by that person? Right. That's kind of scary. And so I feel like it's important for them to come to the understanding of if I really want to go here and I'm here, if Mm -hmm. this is where I'm at and I really want to go here, I have to change too. And one of the ways that I may have to change is I may not be the best person to lead this organization anymore. Yeah. Or if I am the best person to lead it in this area, maybe I'm not the best person to lead it in that area. I do find sharing my story with people helps sometimes entrepreneurs to give up this idea that you have to be everything to your company because I share with them, there are some aspects of, of uh, management I'm not good at. I'm an inspiring leader, an innovator, an idea maker. But when it comes to managing day-to-day projects and things like that, right. managing people, that's not as good of a skill set for me. That's not where I'm best. And so that's helping really them point. understand that, helping them understand they don't have to be everything is really important.
1: Yeah, and I find that a lot of CEOs are the visionary. They're, they're the people who can make rain. You know, they're, the, mm-hmm. they're the ones that have the great negotiation skills and the people skills, but dealing with the details Really good to let somebody else handle that. And I think that's where EOS had talked about, EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. They talk about how yeah. the CEO or the visionary is tied to a, an integrator, the person that actually manages the rest of the team.
2: That's right. That's right. And many times the, that's, uh, you know, we think as leaders, we're supposed to be able to do <laughs> everything in an organization. Yeah. When you really tip your point and you start to grow, whatever that growth looks like for you, you, you know, you shouldn't be doing everything Yeah. That, you know, that and there's no question about it.
0: Well, and I think that's an example. You know, we were talking before we get on here, Cindy, about some recent podcasts. And one of the topics that came up yesterday was the vital importance of leaders being vulnerable Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear you talking about here because, you know, you talked about you going first, right. you sharing your story, you being vulnerable to say, look, I'm not great at everything. Right. I think part of vulnerability is leaders acknowledging I'm not great at everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't have all the answers. And I I really think it's an, a vital piece, the vulnerability, but I find it so misunderstood because right. I think it terrifies people and they think right. it's, I think they think number one, it's all about emotion. And I think leaders do need to have emotional intelligence and awareness. And I think they also think it's all about I'm gonna have to let down this guard that I've been holding up for 10, 20, 40 years.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Gosh, but
2: imagine this. Imagine that as a leader, I give someone else permission to not be perfect. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that. You know, it's so awesome because. know we're not perfect they already know a lot of our oh they know and uh you know everybody makes a great armchair quarterback and all of that but at the end of the day when it is so exciting to me whenever you share your own story of something with someone who's struggling to be good at something they have this desire to be good at something and they're struggling with it whenever you tell them a story about how maybe you had failed or maybe you didn't beat, you weren't at your best, you weren't your best self, it you can just see the look in their eyes. It's like, wow, okay. You get this. <laughs> I'm not a total dud. I'm not a loser. Right. We all want to add value. Everybody right. wants to add value. I really believe that. Um, if, if, if not, maybe you're not in the right organization or whatever, but I really do think the juice is when you give people permission to not be perfect because out of that imperfection comes a lot of golden nuggets and things that you know innovation a lot of innovation occurred because of mistakes that were made so if we cannot be afraid of of failing we can just ride the experience of creativity and and progression boy can we be amazing so being vulnerable (laughs) you're right i don't think that it gets the right kind of messaging sometimes in organizations we think we've got to be perfect all the time. But the reality is none of us are. So why not elevate people by sharing our story?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, one of my favorite, I have, when I work with a company myself, I, it's funny, it's so similar, which I'm not surprised. I go in and the leader tells me what he or she thinks going on and they'll say, what's next? I said, I need to talk to your team. And they'll say, "Why? I just told you, why are you going to talk to the team? I said, to find out what's going on. I just
3: told you. And I said,
0: well, I know you told me. I need to find out what's really going on. And I just say it that way because I know there's always going to be a mess. And I I do this survey, and it's not like a scientifically created survey. I made it up. But there's these two questions that I always find most fascinating because no one notices that they're the same. They're related. And the first question is, you know, are, how encouraged are you in terms of trying new ways, doing different things? And it always scores really high, yeah. very high. Then the other question is, how, how safe is it in the organization to make mistakes and fail? And mm-hmm. almost everybody scores really low. <laughs> and then these owners look at this and say, well, no, those don't make sense. And I go read it again. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much everybody gets it the second time and says, oh. So we tell everybody to try new things. As long as it works.
3: As long as it works. As long as it (laughs) works.
0: And then they kind of go, oh, wow, wow, okay. And there's the blind spot revealed.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about um, when it comes to culture, because clearly it sounds like that's at the heart of everything you're doing. I mean, you're looking at everything, but culture is so vital. Talk about the role of trust with culture. Oh, gosh.
3: Trust is
2: fundamental. Um, Without it, um, you can't build a culture to, max at a maximum level, achieve your results without creating trust in your environment. And uh, trust, to me, is one of the areas that we find that, um, for some people, it's very hard for them to trust at a base level. And so I think as leaders, it's one of the areas that we don't talk about enough, how to build trust in your organization. How do you start with you? How do you build trust? Because it's earned. And once you lose it, it's really hard to get back. And for me, uh, I've had my own experiences with leaders that in the past, and they tell me something and then they do something different or They send a a really clear message about something, and then two weeks later, they change direction. It's very confusing. And trust gets lost not in lies. It's in moments when we don't do what we say we're going to do, and we don't Mm -hmm. even realize we aren't aren't doing it. It's the little moments that either build trust or destroy it. It's not usually big fraud cases. Obviously, Mm -hmm. fraud and lies destroy trust. We all get that. But there's more to it that... Destroys trust. It's the little things, not making a decision when a decision needs to be made, not being calm in the in the time of a crisis. You know, when this whole COVID nineteen thing kind of, I feel like we all kind of knew about it for a few months, and then all of a sudden it became right in our face. Like over (laughs) a weekend, we came to work on a Friday, and the next Monday, think the world had changed. And I remember coaching myself in that moment and saying, "Okay." You don't know what in the heck is going on, but none of your employees do either. And this is scary for them. So the one person in this organization that's not gonna lose their mind is you. No <laughs> matter what you're feeling on the inside, on the outside, we're good guys. We're gonna get through this. We've got a plan. We have reserves. We have a pipeline. We're gonna slow down. This is our reality. We don't, I don't know from week to week what's gonna happen. So we're gonna have a conversation every week, talk about that. Where are we at today? Where are we gonna be, you know? And now we're down to, let's talk in every couple of weeks about where we're at with it. But at the end of the day, you know, occasionally an employee will call me up and say, hey, I just wanna know, are we still good? Still good, still good. We're gonna get through this together. It's gonna be hard, but we're gonna do it. I don't think you have to promise things you can't deliver. I can't always promise that everybody's gonna have their job or all those other things. Every organization's different. But what's important is I stay calm and decisive in this moment. Yeah. And because some decisions can't be permanent, I admit that this is what we're going to do now. A week from now, I don't know. We may make a different decision. New facts are coming in every day. So I really think trust uh, is fundamental to, to that. You know, people will sometimes say to me, well, then do you think great leaders are people who are calm by nature? I hope not, because I'm not (laughs) calm by nature. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of leaders are not calm by nature. But, you know, it doesn't matter if you're an extroverted, active, you know, I talk with my hands all the time kind of person. Or if you're subdued and introverted and you're, you know, laid back, calm is a competence. Yeah. that I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you something that's not true just so that you feel better, but I'm going to be completely transparent with you to the best of my ability. Yeah. And I'm going to share with you when I can't be.
1: Yeah, and I think the transparency is is really really helpful. I think right. your people just because you've said I, you know, this is the kind of decision, this isn't a permanent decision, but you know, you're know, you being transparent in the way that you're communicating with them and the fact that you're actually asking them about what's going on. You're keeping them updated. Oftentimes, right. in, in times like this, you cannot over-communicate.
3: Right,
2: right, exactly. And the one thing you don't do is start sharing all your worries, right? And, <laughs> yeah, right. and so, <clears throat> you kind of, you have to, ins- you have to really, um, you, you have to just use good judgment when you're communicating that it's something yeah. that lifts people up not too optimistic not too pessimistic but that we're in this together and and i'm with you
1: let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors the impact leadership podcast is brought to you by Cartivera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training coaching resources events and a community to help you grow At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartevera.com. Welcome back.
0: Okay. At the risk of putting lots of pressure on you with this next question that just hit me, I'm like you, Cindy. I believe trust is the foundation. And I also have a belief that any organizational issues that exist are ultimately a trust issue somewhere.
3: Agreed. We yeah. call
0: them something else. We think it's about communication, whatever, but there's a trust issue. And so I'm really curious when you go into a company, my guess is you're often going to find some trust issue there. Oh, sure. So, and, we, and I agree with you. It gets broken down in those little moments. We don't even know it's happening. We could. So what are some of your strategies with companies to help them address the trust issues, knowing, like you said, it's, it's easier to break it than earn it?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So how do you go about, how's a company going back about addressing their trust gaps?
2: For us, when we do this assessment and we take a look at it <clears throat> and we start observing people in meetings and moments and that sort of thing, we do start to develop an understanding of where some of the trust may be uh, breaking down. And so one of the things that we do with the leadership is help them understand where when it's breaking down so they can be more self-aware. Mm. Because the first piece of this is self-awareness, right? Everybody that is in a leadership position without knowing it has occasionally created a lack of trust with someone, or, you know, we all have bad moments, and we don't behave in the way that we normally would, or <clears throat> the way that person receives information may not be the same as what you're used to with other people, and that person is like struggling, maybe they've had a bad experience. And so we try to point out where we see trust as being broken. The other thing that we we're really adamant about with trust is that in the meetings when we're working on a group with a strategic plan, we really ask the leader, the CEO usually to sit on their hands sometimes and let other people talk and observe the room.
3: <laughs> Try not
2: to be the leader for a minute. And you'll, they'll see it for themselves. These are intelligent people. And they'll start to see, well, gosh, if I stop talking, uh, Jeff over here starts talking. Isn't that amazing how that happens? Or, you know, um, or if I'm not talking, I realize nobody else will talk. Yeah. That happens sometimes. So, we ask them to start observing. The other thing that we do is we try to um, get permission from the CEO, the leader, to allow us to work with them one on one and ask for permission. Can we be brutally honest with you after these encounters with your team so that we can talk about where trust might have been uh, iffy in those moments or where that could have been better if handled this way versus that way? We really explore it with them. Um, and also you ask, you ask the people that are affected by it, what could have made that different? You know, what would have been, what would have created a different outcome in that situation and share that with them and try to get them to openly communicate with one another. I'm always amazed when I was a little girl, I had a lot of family members, um, lots and lots of cousins and, uh, I have brother and sister and I had cousins who lived with us whose parents had died. So there were always a lot of people and I was always the youngest. And always trying to keep up. And I remember getting mad or somebody wouldn't let me play or whatever. And my mother would say to me, Well, you need to go talk to them. You need to have a conversation with them. You need to tell them what you're thinking, how you're feeling. Well, I kind of wish we could do that in organizations, right? Where if I have a problem with Craig, I'm going to Craig and saying, Craig help me see where I missed the boat on this. You know, I wish we could do more of that. So we encourage it. We encourage people to have these one-on-one conversations. Occasionally we have to facilitate them because Mm -hmm. the trust is so far gone that you, you have to have someone to kind of help with that. But a lot of times, golly, it's just a conversation to break the ice about this particular incident that occurred or this series of incidents or we have a situation right now where for whatever reason, the chairman will not leave his uh, cell phone alone during a meeting. And it really erodes trust in their organization because they feel like you're wasting my time. I'm in a meeting. You're not paying attention. I have to repeat myself. And just pointing that simple thing out, leave your cell phone in your office. Come to that meeting without it. Simple things are, are the things that you can talk about with the organization.
1: Well, it sounds like you had a very wise mother in, in, <laughs> yeah. in giving you that advice. And I like your approach. It's, you know, what am I missing here? Rather than, you know, you've said this and it's, right. it's your fault kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I really like that, Cindy. And it sounds like our approaches are very similar. One of the things I found, and I'm curious about you, mm-hmm. you know, leaders generally say they want feedback
3: mm-hmm.
0: and they rarely get it. They right. rarely get honest feedback. And too often, in my experience, you know, if I ask the leader, you know, how do you think you're doing? Well, I think I'm doing great. What do your people think? Well, they haven't said differently, and I've asked them for feedback, so I must be doing great. Right. I'll say, okay, bad assumption. That's a really bad assumption.
2: (laughs) It's usually the exact wrong assumption.
0: (laughs) And as much as they say they want feedback, because of the trust issues, it's hard. So one of the things I've done is said, let's come up, if you really want to get better at this, let's come up with a really... Short way for your people to open the conversation because right. when people have an issue with a lead or whatever it is, it's really hard. There's so much fear and doubt to come up with a big statement. So I'll say, What's this about? Like the guy on the phone, it might be mm-hmm. if we say, Well, do you want to do better at that? Yeah, well, you're really not present. So can we ask you in a meeting, Are you present? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. really, you've got to be really yeah. brief um, or make it a question like, Are you micromanaging right now? Mm-hmm. Now, the leader's got to be open, but I try and arm them with something really short, almost like a safety word, so they can open the conversation and get everything to stop. Because I right. think people are just, they're still afraid often to speak, you know, speak up to the oh,
2: so much of the time they're afraid to speak up because it's their job, right? Um, or it's the promotion or it's the bonus or it's the, you know… I love working for this person because they're so brilliant, but I dare not say something that they don't want to hear. Um, you know, I look back on my, the early parts of my career <clears throat> and I would say, calling me a pleaser is probably the right word. I always wanted my boss to be pleased with my performance because I was trying to prove something. It wasn't until I made the shift, and I remember the first time I read the book from good to great, I made this shift in my thinking that I'm not sure I'm here to please anybody. (laughs) I'm actually here to actually do a job and being great at it, being the best that I can be at it. Mm. It doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. It means that I understand where we're going and everything that I do is a step to get there. And sometimes I'm gonna be wrong and I'm gonna have to shift. But not being afraid uh, and not being a pleaser I think CEOs particularly leaders are starving for people who don't want to please, who want to perform. <laughs> I really do. I think they're yeah. starving for it. And to your point, you know, they don't give feedback. <clears throat> they usually hear what they want to hear. And what happens for them is they don't trust. Right? Yeah. They don't trust their folks because they don't they even if they say everything's great, nobody's giving me feedback deep down they know something's something's not quite because everything I say can't be right. Everything I ask people to do can't be the most amazing thing we've ever done. And so I think that leaders are starving for that transparency and honesty both ways. And I do think when you frame it with a leader that by them being vulnerable, by them being, by them looking at things like the cell phone, so silly, but you know, is that how would you feel if I came into the meeting and I looked at my cell phone the entire time? How would that make you feel?
1: Disrespectful.
2: Disrespected, (laughs) exactly. So sometimes just helping them see the other person's perspective, how would they feel in that situation?
1: I think that's where the, the coach really comes in in a great way. I remember having a coach in one of my companies and I would be in a meeting and somebody would say, oh, well, why don't we do this? And I, I would immediately say no, cause I'd already thought about it and figured out what was going on. And my coach said, Greg, um, you know, they, they don't know all the thinking that you've already put into this. So it's really helpful if you explain why you said no in that case, rather than just saying no. Like, right. oh, wow, great insight. you know and, just little things like that will really change the environment and and open up the ability for people to actually
0: communicate.
2: Right, right. And gives people the permission to have this open dialogue.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're highlighting here, as Craig said, the I'm sure companies can do it, but my belief is it's really hard for companies to change without an outsider. Yes. The reason is because there's You've got to get over those initial obstacles. You've got to open up those conversations. You know, it's hard for people on the team to identify blind spots for a leader. And like you said, you know, leaders, I think, are looking for that real direct feedback. And an outsider like you or me or anyone else in that role that doesn't have the attachment to the job. Right. And hopefully they're bold enough. I remember one of my first engagements when I got in this business. I was sitting, I was working with a small professional services firm and I'd sit in the meetings and I'd watch how the leader was, their people. And he had this thing where he, when they were talking and he was done with what the conversation was, he would put, literally put his hand up towards them. Like done. And wow. I knew he had no idea he did it. So mm-hmm. we were in a meeting and I very intentionally, there was a discussion going on and he was talking and I did it to him
3: yeah, yeah and i just literally powerful, right boy, in, it? in front yeah. of
0: other people too right? <laughs> and he looked at me and the, the eyes the eyes went on fire
3: <laughs> and he said, Excuse yeah. me,
0: and i said well i'm just doing what you do to everyone else oh and he said i don't do that and he looked around the room and everybody just sort of just no one said a word they nodded their head
3: <laughs> and he ended
0: up changing because he had no idea he did it right That was his nonverbal reaction to a situation when he was done, but he started to realize, wow, that did not feel really good at all. But I can guarantee you no one on his team would have ever done that and may never have felt comfortable saying it without that moment of someone saying no.
2: Being a mirror, being a reflection, I I think is so powerful.
1: I think most people want to do well and they want to take care of their people and so forth, but – they, they have those blind spots. They don't know what some of those actions are that they're taking, how that impacts other people negatively.
2: Absolutely. And there's also, I find that most of us don't realize when we're breaking trust, for example, we just don't, yes. we do not realize. We, we, yeah. we really don't do it intentionally. But the reality is, I find that, that most folks too want from their employees the commitment that they have to the business and that's something that was really hard for me as an entrepreneur when i first started my CPA (laughs) firm to understand that i had been in a partnership i had been made a partner of a company that was a third generation company so that's very different than starting your own business and hiring people and they believe in you and they come to work for you it's a huge responsibility to take that on and i don't know that i was Mentally prepared for that, or even realized that was a thing, and I wanted everybody to feel like they owned it. Well, guess what? <laughs>
3: That's not how the <laughs> world turns.
2: And um, what I found is I had to think about this like a football game, <laughs> and <clears throat> how you know the players that are on the field each have a job. And some of them are going to get a lot more attention in their job than other people are going to get because their job is like the quarterback. You know, he's right there. The camera's always on him. We see him out there. He's, he's making decisions or he's listening to someone make a decision for him on the, in his ear. The reality is that running a company, you've got to realize that not everybody's going to have the same level of commitment to the profession or to the role that you have. That doesn't make them bad and it doesn't make them useless. It makes them people. And how do you best utilize them on the team so that they can be at their very best and not expect more from them than what they're able to give in this role? Mm. Um, It's an interesting dilemma because we want people to go, you know, give them enough room that they can rise above whatever ceiling you put on them. You don't wanna put too many ceilings on people. You also want to recognize that people are dynamic and what's important to me isn't necessarily important to everyone else. So running a company, for example, for me, is exciting and fun and interesting and hard and all of those things. For some other people, it's like, why would I want to do that? Right. And being okay that they can still be a great employee.
1: It's also important to realize that people change over time and they, right. they come into different situations. So maybe when somebody has a new baby, it's very different for them. And maybe they need a little more flexibility than later on when they've, they've got it figured out.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting. When you talk about having a baby, when I had my son, he's almost 20 years old. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of past all that, you know, taking care of part, but he, uh, it was a great baby, really great. I was CFO of a company at the time and um, I It never occurred to me that I would not work. But you're kind of then faced with, well, what are you going to do, right? And I had to make certain decisions. Each one of us makes a choice. And whether you're a male or a female or whatever your life situation is, you're making a choice every single day. And sometimes those choices change because our goals change. Yep. Exactly. As you get closer, a lot of the folks that I work with are getting to that place where they're trying to see their life after this. Yeah. And they're moving past wherever they are today. And, they're, and it's really hard for them to give up the reins. They want the <laughs> freedom, but they're not used to not being the person in charge.
1: It is tough,
2: and right. so that, you're right. Things change. Our priorities change. And it's amazing to me, um, if you plan for it, you mm-hmm. can change in a way that's meaningful and intentional.
0: Wow that, that identity that all opens up a whole nother topic for another day, <laughs> another conversation because I too meet so many people who have gone through it or anticipating it, the transition, and their big question is, and a lot of them have been really honest with me and said, "Who will I be without this business? It's not what will I do right Who will right. I be?" Because they realize how attached they their whole identity. Their, all their beliefs about themselves are to that role they've been playing and it's it's sad, but it's an important question for people to ask and as I said, that's for another day. yeah, yeah Cindy, thank you. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know you brought such a unique perspective to this yeah. the insider with the outside perspective because ernie <laughs> you've not you've been the insider in so many roles, and I love how you've seen you've seen businesses and see businesses with this really wide vision. Mm-hmm. It's not just financial. In fact, you go back to your beginning, and I think you are a classic example of what Steve Jobs said in his Stanford graduation speech. Mm-hmm. You can never connect the dots forward. You can only connect them together when you look back and say, mm-hmm. look at what you are today and that dual major you chose.
3: <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs>
0: By accounting and finance, with social sciences and psychology.
3: Yeah. What a
0: great blend. I mean, if you look at where you are, you go, "Awesome job." Thank After you. That. I
3: appreciate that.
2: Whether by <laughs> accident or not, I, exactly
0: as as we <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well intended or not.
2: That's Brilliant. right. That's
0: right. So Cindy, we always uh um, close with a couple questions. Number 1, is there anything in particular going on in your business or your life right now you want to highlight or promote?
2: Oh, gosh, you know, at think strategy, I have the most amazing team. Um, and right now with everything that's going on in the world with uh, being corn, you know, staying in place and all of those sorts of things. Uh, our business is open. And we're serving clients and we're busy every day. Um, this is a time that we have to shift. We're not talking about big mergers and acquisitions right now. We're talking about How do you um, come out of this and not miss a beat, not lose value, how do you navigate these waters? So right now we're spending a lot of time in that area and I appreciate you asking the question because we're here and we're open and we're excited to help people navigate these really uncertain waters with, with them, but also to be thinking about what happens when we all go back to work? What happens when life goes back to normal? This is a really good time for us to reflect <clears throat> and decide what we want to build back into our business. If ever there was a time to shift your culture, it will be <laughs> when everybody comes back to work, right? Because there's this amazing opportunity to hit the reset button in and, and a lot of regards. So that's where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, it's also a great time to build trust.
2: It is, it is.
0: So, Cindy, how do people connect with you if they'd like to do that? What's the best way to do that?
2: Yeah, the best way to do that is give me a call, 910-512-1420. That's my cell phone. You can always reach me there. Go out to our website, uh, www.thinkstrategy.com, and it's T-H-I-N-C, strategy.com. Uh, There's a place for you to connect with what we do and some of the folks that are on our team, but also to reach out to us if you want to reach out via email or um, the, all of the emails that come from the website come directly to me. So I'm always glad to read. We pretty much get a hit on there every other day or so, a couple of times. So I always love to, to uh, feel questions and reach out to people from there.
0: Right. So, Cindy, we always, I told you ahead of time, we always close out with a couple of signature questions. And uh, so I've got two for you. Great. One is, uh, if you could pick someone living that you could meet, have dinner with, coffee, whatever, who would that be and what's the one question you would ask them?
2: Oh, that's a great question if their person is alive. Um, There's so Mm. many amazing people out there. I think I would, I would want to sit down with Bill Gates Mm. and have a conversation because I just think his story is so interesting. He didn't do anything the way you're supposed to do it. it. And you know, you build this amazing company and I would ask him the question, if you look back on your life, where do you think you've been most successful? Hmm. I'd like to think it probably isn't gonna talk about money. And I'd love to know what the answer to that question would be.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a new one for us. And the <laughs> other one, the other question is one near and dear to my heart, which is movies.
3: <laughs>
0: I, tend to I see the movies. world through movies. And okay. so this this podcast is all about leadership and impact. So, what's a movie, a character, a scene, whatever it is to you that speaks to you about leadership and impact?
2: That one is tougher. I love movies as well. I'm going to choose. Um, I don't. This isn't a movie. It's a limited series on Netflix. It's called The Unorthodox. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's kind of trending right now. But in this moment, this young man is having a dilemma, and in the scene his rabbi puts his arm around them and just hugs him and gives him support. And in that moment, I thought about it and I thought, gosh, if we could all just be that okay with showing up for people, hmm. that would be amazing. For me, that's the role of a leader. It doesn't always look the same. It always, it's not always a hug, right? It, but in <laughs> that moment where someone cares enough about you to stop, in the present moment with you and in this particular case they were grieving together over something and it made all the difference to this person it changed the course of their decision making and i think that to me was pretty powerful
0: Wow. wow Thank you for that. I've not seen that, but now I'm drawn to it as well. (laughs) Well, Thank you again, Cindy. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. And as always, sharing some ideas that people can go do something about tomorrow to have more impact as a leader. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: you, you, Jeff. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate it.
1: If you like this podcast, you'll love The Cartevera Tribe. The Cartevera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow and the Cartevera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to Cartavera.com. that's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside.
3: You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune in to the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business.